Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well Podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started. Our name, Six Point Financial Partners, came from the six main areas of financial planning. One of those areas is estate planning. As financial advisors, we want to make sure that all of our clients pass on their investments, real estate, belongings, businesses, and more in the best and most efficient way possible. Today, our guest is Jerry Antetomaso. Much of Jerry's practice is focused on the legal side of estate planning. Jerry has been an attorney for over 30 years, 22 of them running his own practice, and he is now a partner at Evans Fox. Make sure to listen to some of the mistakes that Jerry has seen as I found them eye-opening. If getting your will or healthcare proxy, power of attorneys or trust set up or updated has been something on your to-do list, this episode of Dear Rochester, Retire Well is for you. Let's just jump right into it here, Jerry. So how, how long have you been practicing law and how long have you been an attorney? I hate to say this, but I graduated in 1987 from law school. So I've been practicing almost 34 years now. Um, and I do a lot of work in, uh, you know, we call it estate planning. People get scared of that word or they think it doesn't apply to them. But basically it's planning for the transfer of their assets down to other family members. How do you do that most efficiently? How do you keep the state out of it as much as possible? How do you keep the tax man out of it as much as possible? That's that's a big part of our practice. Yeah, Jerry, I do. I have that all the time. And even with new financial advisors, they hear the word estate and they think that they have to have millions and millions of dollars for it to apply to them. So can you just give me an example of an average person that should be meeting with an estate planning attorney? Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's a person who shouldn't be meeting with an estate planning attorney. Um, somebody who has a couple hundred thousand dollars in their 401k, somebody who has $10 million um, in a 401k or an inheritance. All people have issues that have to, they, they deal with rather bringing their assets to the next generation in, a, in an efficient manner. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example one time, okay? Uh, I had a client who decided to have his dad, his dad was a lawyer in another state, decided to have his dad do his will for him. Well, the, the rules in that state were different than New York. And he had the wrong people witness the wills, made the will not invalid, but made the disposition to one of those beneficiaries invalid who happened to be the spouse. So the minor children ended up with half of the estate because they didn't do the planning appropriately. Um, that's typically not what people want. And it was, you know, it was a relatively modest estate. It was, it was a, under a million dollars. But they, what they did, uh, because they didn't spend a, a few hours and a, a few dollars on an attorney, they knew this area of practice in this state, trying to save a couple hundred dollars. Half of their estate went to their minor children when they wanted, when he wanted his wife to benefit from it. I love starting off a podcast with a good horror story, Jerry. Our, our last <laughs> well, I got, episode, I got, was, I got tons of them. I'm sure you, you know, don't. We'll get into more too. But 
even even taking a step back further for the the average listener out there again when they hear the word estate can you just explain what estate actually means you know that's a good question um and i haven't given a lot of thought dave but but basically your estate is whatever you've accumulated in your lifetime whether it's a dollar or a hundred million dollars it's it's whatever you've accumulated your house your 401k your iras your bank accounts your investment accounts um, your harley your tools all those things make up your estate uh, make up what it is that you want in some way to pass on to, to future generations. Uh, some of them are quite modest. Some of them are not as modest. And, you know, I find a lot of times that people with the more modest estates have, have the bigger issues in terms of satisfying their, their descendants. Um, I've had as many disagreements, let's say, by family members over quite small estates as I've had over very large ones. So really a state is, is the accumulation of the assets in whatever form they might exist that you've, you know, that, that you've had during your lifetime. That's what your estate is. Yeah. And then it also includes life insurance, which I see that people sometimes underestimate. So if they have a benefit at work or they have some sort of insurance policy that that adds to a significant dollar amount right away. Can I, uh, can I give you another horror story? Do you want to get into another horror story? Please do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you are so right about that. I mean, somebody comes in to me and they say, I have a half a million dollar IRA and that's pretty much all I have. Well, what about your million dollar insurance policy? What about your, your, your benefits from work that pays your insurance? And that's where the horror story comes in, Dave. Um, one time, three, not one time, one year, three times within about six months, I had three different, happened to be women, call me saying, how come my husband's ex-wife is getting all of his benefits? It happened three times in one year, and they were mostly uh, insurance benefits from work that the person forgot to change the beneficiary on. One of them, had, they'd been married, they, he'd been remarried for 21 years. Never, never change the beneficiary designation and his insurance at work. And there was nothing you can do about it. They've, they've recently changed the law somewhat. So they say that if you get a divorce, any beneficiary designations to your former spouse and in insurance are void if the insurance company knows about it. Well, if you're going to tell the insurance company that you're divorced, you're going to change your beneficiary, right? So the law really has no teeth. You know, so when you're working with an estate planning attorney, quote unquote, that's part of what this person has to do is help you with your beneficiary designation to your IRAs, 401ks, insurances. You know, a lot of people have, you know, TOD accounts now. They have, they have transfer on death accounts with their brokers. You got to make sure that those coordinate. And you got to make sure that people that you don't want getting them are not named on there because those take precedence over what your will says. You got to be careful about that. Yeah, it's a so in, in episode eight, Jerry, I went over the questions that I most people cannot make it through. Mm-hmm. And the very first question, it knocks out 95% of people, is have you updated your will, estate plan, healthcare proxy, power of attorneys? And most people have not updated it. And honestly, most people haven't done it at all. But then the second question that really gets 90% of the people that are left (laughs) is, have you coordinated the beneficiaries? And it's so important to do that because you don't want it to go to the wrong people. You mentioned that 
about about minor children inheriting assets right at the beginning with your with your first horror story. Hmm. Can you explain why? And I've seen this a hundred times, by the way, unfortunately, but can you explain why you do not want minor children to receive, call it the million dollar life insurance policy? Well, New York law, such as it is, um, basically gives minor children the million dollar insurance policy or whatever else it might be at age 18. Um, and there were two other, there were two issues with respect to that. First of all, it's a lot of money and we'll talk about that in a minute. But secondly, it's if your will is not valid, if it's not done properly, New York law writes your will. Now, it doesn't go to the state like everybody's, you know, everybody says, well, the state's going to get your money. That's not what happens. But the state writes your will for you. And the way the state writes the will basically is that the spouse gets half and the kids get half. All right. So that's not what most people want. Most people leave most. I mean, I've done thousands of wills in my career. Almost everybody leaves it all to their spouse upon the first death and then to the kids after the second passes. That's not what the state says. And the state is supposed to reflect what most people do. I don't know where they got that information from. I actually remember when they changed the law. I was already, had already started practicing. They changed it in 92, I believe, 90 or 92. And it was more, it used to be more reflective of what all my clients have done, but it's not now. So that's the first issue is who gets it. The second issue is when do they get it? And that's a big part of planning for the transfer of your assets. Um, I have seen kids get totally messed up by having a large inflow of money at 18 years old. I mean, in, in most 18 year olds, even if it's a half million dollar insurance policy, that money buys a lot of freedom that an 18 year old just shouldn't have. They don't have the maturity in most instances, and there's obviously exceptions. I mean, I'm just talking about generalities. Yep. But in most instances, these kids don't have the wherewithal. They don't have the life experience to know how to deal with that money and not to let it get them in trouble. And it does get a lot of kids in trouble. I mean, you hear about, you hear these horror stories about these people who win the lottery and then a year later they're in jail or, you know, it, it, it's, it's just crazy stuff. They don't know how to handle the money. Yeah, or, or they're completely out of money. We actually call those in our business the Corvette funds because the 18-year-olds yes. go buy expensive cars. They have no idea what to do with it with no plan in place. So that, that's an easy lead into this question. So how let's, let's say I'm a single person and I have one child for, to make this easy. And I want them to be my beneficiary and everything, but my child's only eight. How do you mitigate the risk on that? And I don't, I don't want her to get a million bucks. When she's okay. 18. And you shouldn't have him. You're certainly not going to give it to him at eight and the court will protect against that. They won't let him have it at eight years old. They'll, they'll appoint a guardian, a custodian of the funds until they're 18. But typically what we do is we create a contingent or we create a trust in a will for someone like that. So if you're single, you have a kid, you have a couple million dollars in insurance, let's say that money goes into a trust and you appoint somebody as a trustee, whether it be a family member or a financial institution, all the financial institutions have trust arms now, the local banks have trust arms. Um, so they are, in, they are entrusted with that money and they hold it for the benefit of the individual child for until whatever time you say it's, re, it, it's to be given to them outright. Now, as an example, what we do very commonly, this is, this is what I recommend to most individuals, is that their money goes into a trust, the income is available to them 
throughout the term of the trust, the principles available to them, and principle is the, the, the corpus of the trust, the money that's initially put in, that's available to them too throughout their, the term of the trust, but that's at the discretion of the trustee. The trustee says how much of that money they get, when they get it, what they get to use it for. And you can design your trust to, I mean, one of the things that we put in is wedding expenses. Another thing we put in is they could be used to buy a house or it could be used to go into a business or professional schools, things of that sort. You can tailor your trust accordingly. And then ultimately this trust has to terminate, right? At some point, the person we got we got to get rid of this trust. You don't have to. I mean, you can have it last a person's whole life if it's large enough and it's economically feasible. But most people want to end it at some point. And I like ending it in steps. Um, what I did in, in my own situation, frankly, is my son get if my wife and I were to both pass. Our son gets a quarter of our estate at 25, a quarter at 30, and the balance at 35. So they get the ability to learn what it's like to have an inflow of money and deal with it. And if he messes up three times, then it's his problem. That's what I tell everybody. <laughs> you, know, you can only protect him against himself for so long. <laughs> at least that's my philosophy. And, and you won't be here to help him. But the uh, <laughs> exactly. it's funny, you're a nice parent, Jerry. So in full transparency, too, I did 30, age 30, 35, and 40. And I might I mean, push a that people, back. A lot of people push those numbers up. <laughs> I'm going to keep pushing it up. We'll see what happens. But yeah, so as far as mistakes go, do you have any, people love numbers and financial mistakes as far as this stuff goes. Do you have any, and I won't ask you for any more horror stories after this. I do like to be optimistic, but I like to <laughs> let people know how serious this is. Do you have any crazy financial numbers or mistakes that you've seen that you could share? Well, um, it's, it's kind of associated with a different type of mistake. Uh, it, one of the things that I can think of right off the top of my head is you got to be careful when you're doing your planning, who you pick as your fiduciaries, who you pick as those people you trust to be your executor. And that's the person who, who administers um, any assets that are in your name or your trustee, the person who will hold the money for the benefit of your kids or whomever you decide to set a trust up or your power of attorney, the person that you choose. And we do these documents along with the wills or trust, whatever is appropriate in your circumstances, but we always do a power of attorney and a healthcare proxy. You have to be careful who you choose to be your power of attorney. Um, the horror story I have is that this person who I couldn't talk out of naming joint powers of attorney chose two people, one who was very competent, one who was not interested in the individual. They were interested more in themselves. And it literally cost millions of dollars because of that choice that I couldn't dissuade the client from. from yeah, I see that. I did a, a video that I think was our number one video. And it, one the first thing I led with was people, I've seen mistakes that have cost people millions of dollars. And then I started having people ask me, well, name those mistakes. So there is one of them. Can I add, oh, yeah. can I add one thing to that? Yeah, you know, the it. other mistake that maybe it's not millions of dollars, but hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, I've inherited wills over the years from um, other attorneys and they were attorneys that really didn't concentrate in the area of doing wills and trusts and estates. Um, and they 
oftentimes there's one in particular advise their clients to name the estate, the beneficiary on 401ks, IRAs. And when you do that, now the law has changed a bit. So you have to take the money out over within 10 years. But at the time you were able to spread that money out over the life expectancy of the beneficiary. If you name your estate, the beneficiary, all that tax was due immediately when you took that money out. There were some ways to ameliorate it a little bit, but not much. That I've seen that cost a couple hundred thousand dollars, three hundred thousand dollars in one case in, in taxes. Yeah, and that that's scary enough. So, uh, Jerry, we've been throwing out a lot of terms: trustee, estate, powers of attorney. We haven't talked about healthcare proxy stuff recently, but I, I do have a question about that. Actually, I have seen, and maybe you can clear this up for us. I've seen ex-spouses named as healthcare proxies and they have not been updated. I've had many people that have noticed after 21 and not exactly 21 years, but, and they'll say, well, if something happened to me in the meantime, I can tell you right now, my ex would have just said, pull the plug. So <laughs> is that actually how it works? It, it's not, okay. <laughs> um, you know, it, the law is relatively clear and, and frankly, the law was created so that uh, a physician can point to a person and say, this person has the right to make a decision and give them some shield from liability. If that person is a former spouse and they clearly making the wrong decision, you know, I mean, they, they got a cut on their knee, pull the plug, you know, that's, they're not going to do that. It's just, yeah, yeah. you know, one of my favorite stories is I talk about the legend of Ricky Bobby. It's uh, one of the Will Ferrell movies. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's, just, it's hysterical. The guy was in an accident and she, she's, his, his wife is crying. She goes, I made a decision, pull the plug. And the doctor says, ma'am, he's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There, there you go. You know, so no, they're not going to do that. They're, 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 that's, a, that's a perfect example of they won't follow those instructions. Um, they will want family input. It, I mean, that's tempered with some reasonableness standard. Which is good because uh, I didn't want to end on all horror stories. So there is yeah. hope if you've not updated your healthcare proxy. Yeah. Oh, and, you should. You know, <laughs> and you know what it, that applies to too, which is a big one, uh, Dave, is guardians for kids. You know, if you appoint someone a guardian and you pass away five, 10 years later, now a guardian is only, is only appointed until the child is 18 years old. That's somebody to, that would basically take the child physically with them. They would live with them and, until they were of, of the age of majority, which is 18 in New York. If you appoint somebody and that person has, you know, gotten divorced, become a drug addict, and, you know, certainly not somebody you want to place with your kids, the court would temper that you know, that, that decision to appoint Joe Smith as, as the guardian of those kids, they would, they would, you know, they would determine what's in the best interest of the child. Okay. That's, that's good to know. So when you're working with a new client, Jerry, let's jump into this. If, if somebody is to get a hold of you, what does the process look like? Because this is what I find. I'll meet with somebody. This is completely a normal situation. They have few hundred thousand dollars in a retirement account. We've set up some life insurance. We're reviewing their financial plan, how much they're saving, looking at their tax situation. I'm telling you most, you, you know this, I don't need to say this to you. I'm saying this to listeners. Most times this is what is missing is the estate planning. And I'll recommend that somebody goes and sees Jerry or another attorney, whoever we think is a good fit. And they just don't know where to begin. So we try to tee it up in a way that's like, I'll, I'll email Jerry with the client copied on or something like that, just to try to make it easy. But what is the first step 
that somebody takes after that, that part is already taken care of. Cause there, I think people are worried that it's going to be some crazy long drawn out process. First of all, I'm a little upset. You refer other attorneys. Really? <laughs> we have to in our business year, we have to at oh, least give three okay. options. All right. All right. All right. That, now I understand. Um, that's actually a good question. Um, it's not overwhelming, but it is going to take a little work on the part of the attorney. The fact that a financial planner is involved usually makes it a lot easier on us because we can get the financial information from you. Typically, it's provided to us in some kind of secure link, so we don't have to worry about the client compiling all of that. But we ask for biographical information. We ask for financial information. Um, we have them think about whether they, you know, not, not whether they want a trustee, but who would be their healthcare proxy, who would be their power of attorney, who would be their executor. We would talk more about trustees because they don't tend to have a good idea. They don't do this every day. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not where they live, right? We do this every day. It sounds, it sounds common. You, you got to remember this is, this is new to people it might be routine to us, but it's not, it's not to others. I mean, one of our, you know, our tagline is counsel for what matters most. These, these, these issues are really heavy on a client's mind, but they put it off. I find they put it off a lot of times because they think it's overwhelming in terms of the work. It's not, it, it takes about an hour of their time. So we send them a questionnaire, we send them our typical engagement agreement, and they fill out the questionnaire, they send it back to us, we, we set up an appointment, uh, we talk about alternatives for them. It's usually just that one meeting, and then we prepare documents after that meeting, we either email them or mail them to them, depending on how they would like to receive the documents. If there's any changes that need to be made, we can usually do those by phone. Uh, they can let us know what changes they want. Um, and then we have them come in to sign. Now, sometimes in the more complicated situations or where you have to make some additional decisions, there'll be another meeting or two involved there. But the upfront work is probably an hour on the client's part. Each meeting is probably an hour or less. I don't like to go more than an hour. Some of, my, some of my partners go more than an hour, but I find people's attention tends to wane after an hour. And these are kind of complicated concepts. So I don't want them you know, spending too much time trying to digest this stuff. So I try to keep it to an hour or less. Um, and then the signature, you know, it's just a signing party. Um, every, all the documents are ready. We're not making any changes at that point. They come in, they sign, we witness, we give them copies and, and, um, and that's it. And we're done. Yeah. So, I mean, that still sounds like a lot for people, but it, it's not, it's a couple hours of your time getting organized. Yeah. And then let me ask you this, Jerry, from the first meeting until these documents are in place legally and in hand of the client, how long does that take? From the first meeting to that, it should be no more than a month, sometimes as quick as a couple of weeks. Okay. But getting, getting that meeting scheduled uh, because we are busy and because we do need information from them is usually what it takes a little longer, quite honestly. Yeah. So at the end of each of our financial planning meetings, I do this every, every time I send an email with action items. There are certain clients, and especially if they're listening, they'll know who they are. This is the number one action item year after year after year. So now I know everybody, it only takes one month from, from a person who does this every day. And that's, that's, you know, that's at the, you know, that's at the outside. I mean, I've done them in as quickly as two weeks. It really, you know, it depends yeah. on how fast they want to get back in. So let me give you one other comment. I'll call it an excuse, Jerry. You'll appreciate this is 
in, in the rebuttal for it is we have two children. We did our stuff in our estate plan. I went into the meeting in person. This was before COVID. And I met with the attorney and we fa- literally FaceTimed my wife mm-hmm. because the excuse is, well, we have kids. What are we going to do with them over well, in an hour long meeting with an attorney talking about all these words that I don't know? So we did a FaceTime meeting. Then, then my wife and I traded actually. So she came into the meeting and I went home with the kids. So that's how you get around that guys. We're, we're it's, it's very, it's very doable. And right now, the way we're set up in our conference room, we, we can do, you know, we can do a Microsoft teams call. We have a big, we have a big screen in our conference room. It would have been a lot easier now, Dave, <laughs> to, uh, yeah. to do that kind of meeting, you know, given the way the technology has advanced and even in the short period of time with, with COVID we, we have the, we have the capacity to do a teams meeting, put them on the screen and have the other spouse there. It's not, it's not overwhelming. It's overwhelming in people's minds more than it is in reality. It's very doable. Yeah. One other thing I'll say about the estate planning part of a full financial plan is every September, we send a video out saying, are there any updates? Are there any changes? Have you done this yet? And every every time, Jerry, people, I I meant to do that last year. I'm going to do it this year. We'll do it this time. And I just say, you know what, if you don't do it, we definitely need to do it. But I, I obviously can't force people to. And I say, you know what, it's mm-hmm. coming again next September. You're going to get the same video again. And we, we need to make sure it's not going to stop until we get it done, because this is so important to take care of. Yeah, Extremely it, important. It, it really is. I mean, it, you know, it lets people go to sleep at night without worrying what might or could happen. Um, and it, without trying to scare them. And, you know, I didn't, you know, we used to call them war stories instead of horror stories yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in law school, but you don't want to scare people, but this stuff really happens. I mean, this stuff really, it, it really matters. Um, you know, I've had clients just the biggest, the biggest mistake I, I see, honestly, Dave, is people wait too long. Yep. You know, I, I had one time where this guy called me up from his hospital room months after he was diagnosed and wanted to change his will. And the way he had it set up, his stepchild was getting all his money. Stepchild ended up with $2 million that he wanted to go to his brother instead. And by the time I I got in there, I had an appointment that at one o'clock that afternoon, that morning he had a stroke and he was no longer able to sign in. Yeah. And I mean, there's a horror story. And what I will say is this is stuff that you don't, we have a saying, you don't need it until you need it. And then it's too late. You need it bad you know, and don't wait. It it just exercise a little bit of discipline, get the documents done. It's an hour of your time. It's not that hard. Yeah. And it's, it's completely worth it. And one, one other thing that, and we won't get into too much of the cost, but I I get a lot of people that say, well, it's expensive. And I can tell you from my side, this is not an attorney talking. It is much more expensive for an attorney to try to fix things after the fact than it is just to pay up front to get this stuff organized and done. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, when this is done, it's a weight off the shoulders. It is yeah. really is a worry that's gone. And it's just another thing checked off. And I really, if you do it right, you really don't have to worry about it going forward unless there's some drastic changes. Yeah. And then, you know, people always ask me what, you know, how often should you look at it? I tell them, look at it every five years, unless there's a major change in your family. And, and I had a client come in this week that I did a will for 20 years ago. We really didn't need to change it. You know, it, it was really, we ended up changing it because they wanted to do some tweaks and, and we ended up changing it. But if, if they had passed with that will, they'd have been fine. 
Yeah. And it's, so again, it's just an item we get checked off the list. So Jerry, we have gone long enough. Your time is valuable. I know you're busy. How I have two questions for you. How can the listeners get in touch with you? Number one. And then also I have a lot of financial advisor listeners that are listening to this. If they are looking for an expert in this area or somebody who is, this is a large part of their practice. How can, how can people get a hold of you? Um, uh, our website, uh, which we're re- which we're updating, by the way, but our website um, uh, is just evansfox.com. Um, they can call us. We have a very easy phone number, 787-7000. Um, there's a phone tree there that it could lead you to me. And those are the easiest ways, or they can email me at uh, jerry with a J at evansfox.com. Any of those, any of those ways work. So it, it's pretty easy to, uh, to get in touch with us. Easy our enough. Firm, yep. Our firm does uh, a lot of different things, but uh, I tend to spend a, a good deal of my time in the, uh, in the state planning arena. Yeah. We're going to have other, other partners of Jerry's on in future episodes of this, but to get a hold of us, you can email me at dpulsini at sixpointfp.com or check out our website, or you can find me on LinkedIn and recently Facebook, Jerry, I've, got, I've come to 2021 and we have a Facebook page that I almost have nothing to do with, but there it is. So you can, you can find us all over the place. But uh, I want to thank you again, Jerry. Thank you for your time. And uh, we appreciate it. And I, I hope everybody found, find, finds, found this helpful. We'll edit that, but found this helpful. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate your having me on, Dave. It was enjoyable. Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.